0: Hello, so my guest today is a seasoned psychotherapist and EFT practitioner. She works uh, using the powerful tool called EFT, tapping to have women clear all blocks to successful dating and open up to the excitement of falling in love again. Her recently published book, Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess, is a guide to igniting your inner goddess and finding the man of your dreams. Welcome all the way from Chicago, Alison Jane Ewing.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thank you for appearing on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. That was a very brief introduction to yourself, what you do, how you help. So if you could just tell the listeners a bit more about yourself. Thank you.
1: Yeah, sure. So I actually found myself a divorcee in my midlife. In my At 42, I got divorced. Mm-hmm. And you know, as I think probably any divorced person would say, wasn't what I expected, wasn't the path I thought I would find myself on in life. Yeah. And uh, so I had been a therapist, a psychotherapist for about almost 20 years at that point. And I knew a lot about individual's Psychology and how to help individuals. I worked with victims of trauma. But what I realized is I really didn't know much about relational psychology and relate the psychology of relationships. Mm-hmm. And so sort of my nature as a, you know, morbidly curious person, I suppose, <laughs> you know, always wanting to learn new things. I decided, all right, I gotta take a deep dive into learning everything I can about relationship psychology, because how did I fail at this thing that I didn't expect myself to fail at? Yeah. Yeah, So I really did. I started doing just a lot of reading, a lot of research, you know, all my continuing education for my social work license, I was getting um, based on relationship, uh, courses and things like that. And yeah, so I started learning a lot. And then meanwhile, while I was doing that sort of intellectual dive, of course I was a dating person and I was, um, and I also began to kind of gather around me a group of single women sort of serendipitously, they jokingly call me the divorce whisperer. But <laughs> <in> my- <laughs> Allison, you always have some crying divorced woman in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I guess people just started referring their, they heard their friend was going through a divorce. They were like, talk to Allison. So,
0: mm.
1: yeah. So while I was doing sort of my own, you know, discovery work, yeah. I was also gathering this group of women that I sort of jokingly now call my goddess posse, but that we all were going through a lot of the similar things together. Yeah. Right. And as you know, women, we like to share stories and that's how we connect. And mm-hmm. so I was gathering all of their stories along with all of my stories. And at some point it occurred to me, you know, I should really put this into a book because mm-hmm. I knew I had the unique perspective and knowledge as a therapist mm-hmm. And I had all this, you know, real life story, which comes out in my book. I tell a lot of personal stories in my book.
0: Right.
1: And then what was really what I feel like makes the book magical is I have that this very like unique third ingredient of EFT tapping. And my whole theory behind dating and and what is the basis of the book is that basically you can magnetize to you anything you want in life, as long as you clear what's blocking you from not drawing it in. Right, And I know you have the same philosophy in that way. And so I, I put every chapter, I put a tapping script at the end, which is, can kind of walk the reader through how to apply EFT tapping to the various fear, subconscious blocks, the common ones that most single midlife women are dealing with and struggling with. And when you tap on these things, it can clear out the fear to such an extent that you don't even feel it anymore. And then you actually start a showing up differently. Cause you show up more confident, more happy, excited, mm-hmm. and B start seeing things differently because of our, how our neurobiology works. So
0: okay.
1: when you start to really clear these blocks, mm. that's when everything can start to shift and change. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to change your pictures on your dating profile. If you do the, <laughs>
0: end, <you're over. laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. and it's really i mean and i i sort of tell that jokingly but it's actually true i've had multiple clients now who have seen once they start doing the internal work they go from having like nobody chatting them online to blowing up and they didn't change a thing about their actual oh. profile
0: yeah because it's not the picture that people are attracted to it's that energy exactly no yeah. they have cleared those blocks could you tell the listeners a bit about eft because emotional freedom technique, right? Yes. Exactly. Um, for people that haven't heard of it, don't know what it is. Could you just tell us a bit about it?
1: Sure. So EFT is also known as just tapping because what it is, is you are tapping on your own acupressure points while you're processing some emotionally heavy material. Mm-hmm. There's nine points we teach it that you tap it in the same order. The order isn't actually all that important, but when you learn it in this one order, then it just gets into muscle memory faster and you can access it faster. Right. So what it does is when you stimulate these particular acupressure points, it sends a calming signal to the fight or flight part of your brain, mm-hmm. to your amygdala, and it appears to shut it off. And we have lots of data now, actually there's, um, Someone out of Australia, Peter, Dr. Peter Stapleton, who has some amazing data on EFT, and we're understanding more and more what it's doing at a biological level. It's putting people very quickly into an alpha brainwave state, which is sort of that relaxed state you get in at meditation or um, right before you fall asleep at night. It puts, it lowers people's cortisol level very quickly, which is our okay. stress hormone for mm-hmm. those who don't know that. Um, it is actually important being shown to impact genes to turn on and off certain genes, sort of, you know, turning on the good ones, turning off the bad ones for an oversimplification explanation. Uh, Immunoglobulins are going way up. So it's actually improving your immune system to Hmm. tap. So I always like to explain all of this stuff because a lot of people can get hung up on the, I don't know if I'm doing it right. When they're first learning. Mm -hmm. And so I always want to tell people, if you're simply just tapping on these points, you're doing something right. You're very much doing something right for your body biologically. And then when you learn sort of more the nuances of the, of the technique, what you realize is the words that we say is the way we try to access the feeling that you want to clear and get rid of. And it seems that when you tap on an intense emotion, I always, um, use the analogy of pouring like fire or pouring water onto a fire of an emotion. That's what it almost seems to do. It really can just put out the feeling that you're having very quickly. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, it blows my mind like on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it sounds, yeah. sounds so simple, doesn't it? That All exactly. of these things that we might be traumatized with or that baggage and that unhealthy stuff that we're carrying with us can be, can be just got rid of.
1: Tapped away. I know it's, yeah. it's really, it's amazing. It feels like magic. And, and, and it's not because we have all this great data behind it now. But what is really remarkable is when you clear some of these um, fears, you're sort of almost like collapsing a neural pathway, and then you can open up a new neural pathway. And so taking trauma, for instance, if you tap on a traumatic memory what happens is, is it moves it from the sort of fight or flight part of your brain to mm-hmm. your frontal lobe, so you don't forget it. So people always say, "Well, you know, I don't know, am I going to forget?" Let's say you're, you you want to tap on your grief of a lost spouse, mm-hmm. so that you can move on. A lot of people are reticent to do that because they feel like, "Oh, I I don't want to not remember them." Yeah. Well, with tapping, I just want to be super clear: you will remember them. But what will happen is, it won't. Any longer create, you know, heart palpitations or butterflies in your stomach. It moves it to the frontal lobe, so you remember it, but you don't have all those physiological
0: okay. discomfort
1: um,
0: okay. symptoms. Is that, yeah. is that a bit like the other kind of trauma treatments? Kind of shift it from an immediate memory into a long-term memory space. Exactly.
1: Yes, it works very similar to like yeah. EMDR, for instance, if you're yeah. familiar with that. Yeah. And so most of my clients will say, wow, it feels like someone else's story now. Mm. And so it's you still remember it, but you, but you can move on emotionally and that's what's important. Yeah, And I have to tell you, I have some clients that I worked on their fears, um, phobias, things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I'm going on almost 10 years at nine years now. And they haven't come back. I mean, that's the other really remarkable thing when you really get to sort of the root of what it is, mm-hmm. it's just, on and it does not come back
0: well I mean so actually shifts it completely from from one space which is causing you discomfort into another space where you you're just actually remembering it rather than having the emotional triggers
1: yes exactly
0: and I guess with your book then you're opening up kind of the story in the book for people to understand their emotions to kind of maybe delve into what's going on for them and then the EFT at the end of the chapter then says, okay, this is the problem. And here's your solution.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I basically took what I feel like are some of the really common, dynamics that happen for probably all women dating, probably men dating too, but I really focused on sort of women at midlife. Yeah, And I do think that there's a little bit of a unique challenge there for those of us in that boat now, because mm. last time a lot of us were dating, there was no internet. There was yeah. no, I mean, there was the internet, I suppose, but no online dating, certainly no Texting wasn't a thing, you know. (laughs) It was like phone calls, like.
0: A lot of the women I speak to when we when we're doing the relationship uh, coaching that I do, there's there seems to there is an issue not just with this uh, date, and I'm not sure if you're going to come on to this, but actually finding guys that are happy to date someone in midlife and not looking for someone who's 15 20 years younger. Um,
1: Ah, yes. Okay, so that is actually one of the early chapters in my book. Okay. Yeah. Because what I, what I kind of call that is this fear that there's no good men left out Mm. there. And so if you believe that, and if you believe there is no good men left out there, or that all the men will want to date someone much younger, I've had clients say, well, surely they wouldn't want to be with this b- old wrinkly body, <laughs> you know, they'd want like this younger, tighter, hottie, hotter body, whatever. So why would they want to date me? So if you walk around with that mindset and that vibe, that is exactly what you're going to see. Uh-huh. Yeah, And that's, what's going to start to show up in your world more and more. And it's, you know, it's basic sort of psychological confirmation bias, right? Like we yeah. have a bias and then we go and we seek evidence to confirm that. Mm -hmm. And that's just how the brain works. But the other thing I talk about in the book that I think can be really helpful for people to understand is the part of our brain known as the reticular activating system that is responsible for seeing patterns and narrowing our focus for us, because obviously we know we are all bombarded (laughs) all day, every day with a ton of information. And so the reticular activating system is your protector that strains things out and narrows in your focus. And so just to help people understand, if you decide you're going to buy a car and let's say you decide I'm going to buy a Jeep and now suddenly you see Jeeps everywhere, right? I think most people can relate to an analogy like that. And you think to yourself, were those Jeeps always there before?
0: <laughs> I just didn't know. <laughs> why, why has everyone got one now that I want one? <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. So here's the thing. Yes, they always were. They were the same amount of Jeeps yesterday as today. Yeah. But your brain wasn't seeing them because your reticular activating system was not taught to key into them. Yeah. So if you, for instance, had a father, your parents got divorced and your father immediately went and started dating a much younger woman, you might have this bias in your brain that says all men like younger women and also your reticular activating system then is going to continue to pick up on couples that are older guy, younger. I mean, that's what you're going to see when you're out dining and things like that. So then you're going to confirm that bias and say, oh, see, this, this is it. I'm, I'm doomed. Yeah. And then when we get that, I'm doomed, we're we're very fearful and we show up on dates fearful.
0: And I guess also we're looking when we are actually looking to date someone, if we're looking for, if we're focusing on people that we think want to date younger women, then the only guys that we're probably going to end up talking to are the ones that also want to date younger women um, because that's what you're looking for, right?
1: Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing I think is tricky is it's hard to talk ourselves out of our fears, right? Mm -hmm. So you can even listen to this podcast right now and have a huge light bulb moment and go, oh my gosh, okay, I get it. Intellectually, I get it. And then you can still go on dates and be fearful that, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's where I feel like the, the combo of sort of the, the, Teaching in my book with the EFT tapping is a really powerful combo because you get the insight from learning the lesson, but then you get to actually tap on, even though I feel like all guys out there want a younger woman, even though I have this fear, I accept myself. And then you kind of go through the tapping points one at a time, focusing on this fear I have that Mm. all men want younger women. And by the time you tap a few rounds, the fear will just start to shake loose and evaporate. And suddenly you won't have that anymore. And when you no longer have that energy signature of fear and trying to confirm that bias, you'll start seeing other guys.
0: Awesome. awesome i'm gonna try and get a hold of it I, mean, I don't know if you've got a copy that you could send not the of the tapping points because i'm watching you now and obviously for the listeners as you're talking you're tapping yourself in certain parts <laughs> of your face and your and your wrist and stuff. i awesome. haven't
1: figured out how to do a podcast <laughs> without tapping on myself
0: it's, no, like, definitely, I, I, it's it. great and for the people watching on the youtube channel that'd be absolutely fine but um i think maybe we need to get a link somewhere there where people can actually have a look at see what yeah. the tapping points are yeah.
1: Absolutely. Actually on my website, learn to date, like a goddess.com there's a how to tap. Oh, tap. Awesome. Yeah. And okay. I have, you know, I walk you through and I have a video tutorial there as Excellent.
0: well. So we'll make sure that's in the notes and, and people can click on that and, and see exactly how Yeah. Like, and where to tap.
1: Yeah. And it's really easy to learn and you can learn it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I promise all your listeners, like the The biggest challenge you're going to have is you're going to overthink it and you're going to think you're doing it wrong. Don't just just do it. Just do it and start doing it. And there's a million YouTube tutorials out there, too. Um, And you'll start to feel better pretty quickly. And then you'll realize, like, wow, this this works. This is great.
0: Something you said earlier was interesting is that actually you don't even really need to think of something and then tap away the fear or the emotional attachment to that, because there are so many other benefits from just maybe tapping anyway, because of the, like you said, the the neurological, psychological effects that it has on you anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you can just tap if you're in it, just in, in an emotional state at all, you can just start tapping the using the points. And it's it's almost just like giving yourself acupuncture, you know. So, um, so when you do that, yes, you're doing yourself a world of good. The caveat I will say though is we do have a little EFT saying that goes for results to be terrific, you need to be specific. Right. <laughs> so, so the more specific you are, the better results you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So if you consider a problem, um, like a table. So the top of the table is the problem. And then what are the legs that are holding the problem up? And you kind of want to tap one leg at a time so that you eventually, and you don't need to knock out all the legs. You just, you know, three fourths of the legs, the table's going to collapse. So that's kind of the best way. And if people are starting to tap and they're getting stuck and they're not having results, it's probably because there's some deeper childhood wound, Attached to whatever the issue is. Um, so, for example, if you continue to uh, date or attract in emotionally unavailable men, it's a very common problem. A lot of women have right. Yeah. So, if that's the tabletop, the emotionally unavailable men, what are the legs that are holding that up? And one of the legs might be, I had an emotionally unavailable parent, and so my brain has now associated the feeling of love with emotional hot and cold or, or whatnot. And so when you start to, when you tap on that, if you just start generally tapping on that, you can shift some things, but if you can go back and like really focus in on a very clear memory, obviously if it's something deeply traumatic, something that would really that could kind of send you down a spiral. I don't recommend you doing that on your own. That's Mm -hmm. when I would recommend seeking out a practitioner. But if it's something sort of minor, maybe um, they were late picking me up for school or something that, you know, a lot of us have experienced as
0: yeah.
1: and parents, and yeah. you can tap on that yeah, and you can really shift quite a bit of, that. I'll give a brief example from my own um, childhood that I, I do work with a practitioner on the regular and I do tap with him and he, cause he helps me to see what I'm not capable of seeing for myself. And we were tapping on this memory. I've learned to trust the process now that sometimes just really random memories seem to pop in. And I don't know why until I tap through it. And then I figure out why. Mm -hmm. And So we were sort of tapping on this idea of me not really stepping into the dating world and kind of more so like spending time with my single women friends than dating. and. As we were tapping, this childhood memory came of, we used to take hikes in the woods with the neighborhood kids and the older boy in the group at one point offered to like piggyback me for a little while. Cause I was getting tired and whiny. And, and as I was tapping through the memory, I had a very clear image of my sister looking at me really angry and jealous. that I was kind of like getting the easy way out Mm -hmm. here and she was only two years older than me, but two years too big to be piggybacked. Right. Right. So, and I felt tremendously guilty. Now this is a very little T trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is not a big traumatic experience, but what I realized in the tapping was that made me feel like, oh, you know, it's not safe to get maybe uh, help from men or the attention of men, Mm. because then I might hurt my fellow sister, which, you know, as I'm an adult could translate into sisterhood Mm. friends. Right. And so I was always sort of choosing to, maybe forego some dating experiences or whatever for the sisterhood, for the friends, because okay. they didn't want to make them feel guilty. This yeah. was just a very young childhood wounded part of me.
0: Yeah. But... And
1: after I tapped on it and cleared it, I realized it, it doesn't have, there's no either or, it doesn't yeah. have to be either or. Like, I,
0: I think can see... something like that in the most kind of severe cases, just saying popped into my head was actually you could then avoid guys that want to help you, couldn't you? You could actually just avoid nice guys that, can be there for you and support you and, and like carry you as, you know, when you need help and stuff like that, because you don't feel like that's an appropriate thing for you to do. So could it probably actually lead to really difficult um, relationship issues and the choices you're making if, if it's, if it's got into your subconscious at that level.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. And isn't that wild? Such Mm. a little thing. And Mm. I really think it was, it was a big problem for me because he was really a very nice kid this guy yeah, yeah. and and he was just trying to help and yes mm. and then I felt guilty receiving that help mm. so I did I definitely felt guilty receiving um help or you know sort of hero treatment if you will you know and and that was definitely a pattern that showed up for me later mm. in life okay all from this very minor
0: <laughs> yeah, again shows how impactful that <laughs> was four years ago you
1: know, I'm sure my sister- so terrible you. it was. It was. I mean, the one thing I will say is I don't exactly remember how old it was, but I'm gonna guess like kindergarten ish. And uh Bruce Slipton talks about um the fact that for the first about six to seven years of our lives, we operate in a theta brainwave state. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, sort of beta is our awake alert state. Alpha is our relaxed and theta is that dreamlike woozy uh, state that you're, when you're sort of half asleep, half awake, and then Delta's asleep, right? So theta is this highly suggestible state. It is also the hypnotic state. Mm -hmm. And that is where things can just go sort of directly into our subconscious Mm -hmm. without our conscious filtering it. So we walk around in that state the first several years of life. So that's why some of these little, little minor things can actually have quite a big impact because it set up this deep subconscious program in me Mm -hmm. to feel guilty or to feel bad about receiving help being like you said.
0: Yeah. Your brain has just absorbed that and made it part of your structure, I guess, of your brain.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? That what tap, what that, tapping can do for you to release that so um Mm -hmm. hopefully you've got some kind of idea about what the guys in your life can now offer you the help and and carry you when 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 needed because we again there's always going to be a time where we're going to need someone to support us and if we're not allowing that we're never going to attract the kind of person we really want in our lives are we
1: right exactly exactly and i talk about this in my book too i really feel like most men, I I always say 90%, some people have said, argued with me on that. They're like, really? I'm like, I really do think that most men are good men and they want to provide, they want to provide support to their woman. They want to be there. They want to step up. They want to be, you know, I have a whole chapter on masculine, feminine energy. They want to kind of be in that masculine energy and and be the hero. And and if you're dating one that isn't that way, like get rid of them because there's plenty out there that are.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a there's that fine line, isn't there, between masculinity, toxic masculinity, and and people being and a uh, being too feminine, too much in the feminine energy. But you're right. I mean, I, I agree that it's a it's a it's a masculine condition, isn't it? That men generally, if they're in the masculine energy, they want to be the hero. Of for yeah. they don't want, and they want to be able to look after they want to be able to provide that space um it's just whether whether someone's gonna let them do it or not um well,
1: right and that's what i talk about in the book and it is a little controversial chapter and i struggled to even write it but because i talk a lot about how i i really do think this is a problem with sort of like you know women these days is it's really hard for us to be in our feminine energy mm. and we're just not in it very often and we're not used to it and it feels scary to give up control. Right. (laughs) And so, but I do think it can be really detrimental in your most intimate romantic relationship because, you know, we have to be in our masculine energy as women a lot. That's what's valued in our society. That's what's rewarded, you know, job wise, parenting wise, you know, if you're in school, all that kind of stuff, you have to be in your do, 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 go, go, go. And I'm sort of assuming your listeners know the difference, but I guess we could just highlight, you know, feminine energy is sort of the receptive energy. It's the flow. It's kind of like going with nature and that kinds of thing and really receiving. And it's a little more quiet, like yin kind of energy. And then the masculine energy is the producing, building, um, providing go, go, go kind of yawn kind of energy. And so what I talk about in the book is that I really do think women have to learn to get more comfortable again with being in their feminine energy in their heterosexual relationship. And I think that when I have spoken about this to women, I get some very intense reactions but it's been interesting because a lot of them start out by saying like, you know, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, what do you know? This mm. sounds very a- anti-feminist. And I'm like, listen, I'm I'm a feminist. You know, I, I'm a women's studies minor. This is not anti-feminist. What this is, is there is a time and a place for you to be able to receive. Mm. And I think women have gotten so accustomed to just doing it all. And having all the juggling, all the balls, you know, having all the balls in the air and just go, 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 because they have to be that way for work and parenting and all that. And then when you continue to do it in your relationship, what happens is, is you can kind of box your man out. You know, he feels like he has no space. I had a a client who said her ex-husband said to her, I just felt over time, like you didn't need me at all. Like there was no room for me because she just kind of was like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, and, and I felt like she had to, I guess, and she should do do it that way, and that's the way she'd learn how to do things. And and again, unfortunately, and that's that's what happens with. I mean, I was um, I was talking to someone a little while ago, and we were talking about the biology of a human species, and and that actually we evolved as a species with the female. And again, this is getting stereotyping now, but we grew up with the female doing the nurturing, looking after. And being in that more feminine energy uh, and the, the the male, the species was the one that was in the masculine energy. So biologically, we've been programmed to kind of be more comfortable in those spaces anyway. But and obviously, like I say, in modern society, there needs to be a balance of that. But we need to know that it's OK to be looked after and also to, to actually do the looking after, maybe take control. But we don't have to do it all the time.
1: That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because yes, men are going to be in their feminine energy sometimes in your relationship, of course, and that's good too. And But what I think has happened is there's just been sort of an overcorrection, if you will, of women just being way too much in their masculine. And I think that when you really sort of drill down or when I have with my clients kind of drill down on this issue, what, what comes up is they're really just scared and it's about giving up control and they're just afraid to give up that control. And I also want to highlight caveat here, this, I'm not talking about being a doormat. So just to be very clear, because I think women who are doormats are actually operating in masculine energy, right? Cause they're whatever you want, honey, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll cook for you. I'll clean for you. That's, that's doing energy. It's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about receiving, you know, receiving your partner's, love, attention, affection, gestures. Mm-hmm. You know, in the book I talk about, uh, I think the story I give is, you know, he shows up at home, has brought you dinner that he thinks you're gonna really love, and you look at him and just go, Oh, all right, well, I mean, I already defrosted meat. So now what am I gonna do with that? <laughs> and then <laughs> and you look away and you miss the crushed look on his face. Yes, because, yes. Right. And I, and I, and not to blame women because I get it. You did defrost the meat and you are, you're just like, go, 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 go. I got dinner. I got this. I got this. I got this. But when we operate like that, we, we do, we kind of box out our partner. We don't give them the chance or the opportunity. And so I think that when we can start to just let go of that control a little bit and lean back, you know, sort of energetically lean back, receive what our man wants to give us. Then it's kind of a win-win because we get some rest. It's exhausting to be a woman running in her masculine
0: all the time. You know? <laughs> Definitely, it's exhausting <laughs> for a man to try and run in the masculine as well. But that, that's again, right? that's why the balance is so. Is the balance is so important? Right. I'm, right. My, so, my, one of my favorite phrases is, "I'm not sure if this is my phrase. I've, I've heard this somewhere else, but is that you've got this and I've got you?
1: Yeah. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah."
0: And and it is is—it's that support, that encouragement that, you know, I know you can do this, Mm -hmm. but I'm here just in case you need me. And just so you know, I'm here. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. And I will be honest, I think a big part of why a lot of women are afraid to let go of that control and see what happens, you know, see if their man can step up and actually support them is because they're deep, deep down afraid they won't.
0: Yeah, so I don't think that, that mean, right. Yeah, that's an issue, isn't it? It's that trust that actually is, has this person really got me, uh, and I think that's a, a thing in the relationships that is missing a lot nowadays. Is that I don't think people are sure that the person that that they're having their relationship would have them if 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 the shit really did it, the fan type of thing.
1: Exactly, exactly, and so that's why I think it's just easier for women to be like, "I got it all," yeah, than to risk that vulnerability that fear that potential disappointment let down and I guess you that know, comes
0: back to what we were talking about earlier on about the people that you're choosing in your life there's there's going to be a reason that's why you're in the masculine energy why you're self-reliant why you're very independent why you feel I can't hand over this control to someone some of that's come from somewhere and then again then what we're doing probably is focusing on and attracting people that then show us that that's true that like actually I can't rely on them I need to be completely in control of this i need to be the person that's on top of everything because that person just won't follow through if 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 i needed them to
1: exactly yeah yeah it's it's tricky right because it's one of the things it's a totally tappable issue right so you can clearly tap on even though i'm afraid to let go of this control and to trust that they'll support me Mm -hmm. so you can tap on your fear of letting go Mm -hmm. and move into a place where you actually do let go Mm -hmm. and then You know, I have some clients whose partners step up and some whose don't, and then it does lead to the end of the relationship. And so, you know, it's, it's very tricky, but also sometimes our fear of leaving a relationship keeps us stuck in a bad relationship just because the relationship ends, doesn't mean that that's a negative outcome for you in life. In fact, it could be a really wonderful outcome for you in life.
0: It could be the best, the best decision you ever make, isn't it, to, to realize yeah. that this relationship is just not right for you. And and again, if you can get your head in the right space then and change these beliefs and everything else that you're carrying, these ideas around relationships and change those. And in your case, with your book as I've tapped them away, you yeah. can start to attract someone who can make give you a much more filling and healthier relationship space. Exactly, Mm. exactly. When you did all that sort of self-reflection, because again, uh, it's interesting because my journey into relationship coaching is because my relationships were an utter disaster. Uh, And it came to a point where I thought, actually the common denominator into all of these difficult relationships is me. What is it about me? that's creating these disastrous tight relationships right (laughs) um when when you started to look at that what what kind of did you what sort of self-discoveries did you have
1: well i i think that what you just said there is the number one most important thing for every human on this earth not just about relationships it's like the common denominator is always you Mm -hmm. no matter what it is that's not working in your life yeah (laughs) back to you so One of the things I really realized was that there's so many things that are sort of just our natural state that I wasn't letting come up and just be. So what I mean by that? Gratitude. Gratitude is a natural state. But if you have bitterness or resentment or these other things in the way, you can write three things you're grateful for all day long every day. And it's not going to shift if you're mm-hmm. feeling these other yucky things that are blocking that natural state. Yeah. You know, love is another one. I mean, our natural state is love. But if we are afraid of being let down, afraid of being hurt, afraid of being abandoned, you know, so on and so forth, then we're always going to kind of be at a little bit of a arm's length Mm -hmm. in our relationships. And Mm -hmm. that's what, that was the really big key for me that I realized was that I would go into relationships, but very much at an arm's length and not super vulnerable and not super open always being afraid of being let down, disappointed, abandoned. And then, of course, I was always let down, disappointed, yeah, or abandoned, that's right? That's right. That's I mean,
0: that Sounds like my story.
1: <laughs> right. It's, it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. It's yeah. the, yeah. you know, what, what you believe is what shows up in your life. And so when you have these big fears, you, you keep creating the pattern that, again confirmation bias that show you yes this is what happens i always get let down in relationships and so you know the really scary difficult work is starting to a accept that and b work on letting go of it and clearing out those old subconscious programs so that you can be open hearted and the more open hearted you are the more open hearted of a partner you'll attract in and it's just you know, we we attract in what we are, right? That's... Yeah, yeah,
0: completely, completely, like you said, if unless I'm willing to give of myself, then how could I be in a relationship where I with someone who's going to give to me it, right. in that way?
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, one thing that I struggled with a lot, and I do write about this in the book, is this concept that when I was doing all my research and everything, I kept hearing, well, you just have to love yourself and then you'll attract in someone you love. <laughs> I'm so frustrated because I'm like, I think I love myself. I don't know what's wrong. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I feel like there's a little bit of a falsehood put out there that you have to be in this like state of perfect self-love before you can you know find love for yourself. And I I just debunk that completely because I think that a I think some of your deepest healing happens in your most intimate romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. So as long as you when you go into the relationship, you know, okay, this pe- person is providing a mirror for me to reflect back to me my deepest wounds and triggers. Mm-hmm. And so when they trigger me, instead of saying you're doing this, I need to stop and say, "Oh, interesting I'm being triggered right now what is this bringing up in me mm. if you can do that in relationships I mean you're going to be golden like that is-
0: and I think if you're open to that self-exploration then hopefully in the relationship that you're going to be able to choose you can explore that with them too right because they're going to want to know when you're triggered how you're triggered why you're triggered and how they could maybe if they care about you enough how they can help you with those triggers
1: Absolutely, and if you're doing it, and they're seeing like, wow, this is cool. A lot of times, they're going to Look
0: do it too. Says.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. or maybe you've you've just attracted in someone who all, you know is already interested yeah. in that kind of thing and self awareness. So, but at the same time, like I deeply remember seeing Louise Hay, who is sort of the you know. I would say one of the founders of the self-help movement in the Mm -hmm. seventies. And she was 79 years old and she learned tapping for the first time. And I saw her in an interview and she was like, Oh, this is so great. This is going to help me clear so many of my issues. And I was a little crushed because I thought, Oh my God, Louise. Hay, who's probably done more work on herself. than (laughs) Still has issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. seventy nine. We are all <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: so, well, That's kind of shocking, really, but it just goes to yeah. doesn't it? We're all constant work working on ourselves. Exactly. Uh, exactly.
1: Once I got over my disappointment, I thought, oh wait, this is actually <laughs> helpful because you I mean, know actually, there's no a
0: little bit normal too, right? That actually if this person who's <laughs> like you said the sort of founder of of a lot of self-help stuff can still say do you know there are still things that I struggle with Absolutely. it makes you look, you know what that's okay because that's the thing I think with with some of the people I speak to especially is well now I've had some coaching with you why why am I not completely fixed why am I not why do I still have these problems and I'm like I've been doing this for you know 2004 I started my training and I'm still things trigger me all the time and I'm just like it's just being aware of like you said aware of your triggers understanding what's going on how where it's coming from and addressing it whether that's addressing it with you or addressing it with the person that's that's triggering you or the situation that's triggering you but being able to work your way through it rather than allow it to keep the same kind of cycle of problems continuing
1: right exactly there's there's no destination that we're going to get to that is fully self-healed fully self-actualized I mean (laughs) not very many of us anyway, (laughs) maybe there's a couple of monks or something out there, but you know, there's, there's no sort of destination. It's all journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's just all journey. And same with dating. I always say this too, to my clients, like, don't go on dates with this attitude of like, are you the one, are you the one, are you, are you, you know, because when you go in laser focused looking for the one, Mm -hmm. then you're, you're just focused on the destination and you're negating the whole journey. And if instead you can approach dating and say, okay, this is a journey. Every guy I meet is going to teach me something about myself. Every relationship I have is going to help me level up to have a healthier relationship the next time. And if you sort of approach it from a journey perspective, you might end up finding the one, <laughs> but you're, you're coming at it from a totally different sort of energetic space that is more likely to bring you what you want anyway. Yeah. Also, in the meantime, all the, you know, frogs you're kissing before you find your prince, like you still are learning from them. So it's not like it doesn't feel like a total lost cause. I think women can get really down. And, oh, this dating thing sucks. And and it's because they're just focused on the destination. If you can switch your focus, okay, I'm in the journey of dating. You know what? I'm probably not going to be single again once I find my guy. So I'm going to enjoy this single life, I'm going to enjoy what I get from it. And maybe it's just, I had a really bad date, but I found, you know, a restaurant I really like, or I drove on this sideway and I learned how to avoid some traffic. I mean, literally like I work with my clients to think of like a small little thing Mm -hmm. that that was helpful because you got to keep your vibe up and you got to keep your enthusiasm for life up. And That's
0: all about again. If you do, if you just put all your energy into one space, you can you this everything else sort of falls to pieces a little bit, doesn't it? And I like that idea as well that dating is a good way to teach you what you do want too, right? Because I might have a clear idea uh, and then part of my program is to look for what you want in your relationship. But there are times when you go, This is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. Oh actually, I'm not sure if I really want that. And it's good that if you experiment and you experience different uh relationships with people, you can go, actually, I thought I really wanted that, and that's not that important to me was not actually what what I really wanted for myself. Um, we are running out of time. Right? Um, if people want to reach out, if they want to go onto your website. You mentioned it earlier on, but please mention it again. If they want to get hold of a copy of your book, if they want to be able to watch the videos of the Tappy, please do. Uh, how do people do that?
1: They can go to learn like And actually, for your listeners right now, anyone who has listened to this podcast can go there and download a free copy if you want the downloadable copy. And if you want a paperback, I am on Amazon at find love again, learn to date like a goddess.
0: Awesome. And, and if there's a, there's a special code and stuff, are people going to need to get that copy from you?
1: No, it pops up on the website.
0: Awesome. Great. So get, get over there straight away while that offer is still available. Um, thank you, Alison. Um, do you have a words of wisdom or a favorite quote that you would like to share with the listeners before we finish up today?
1: My favorite quote is from Wayne Dyer, which is, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at
0: change. Awesome. Thank you very much. And that that doesn't really need any explanation, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, thank you for your time today. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you again as I, with many of my guests um, I think I need to make this a two hour show um, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but to keep people interested hopefully uh, um, we have to keep it bit short um, thank you for your time it's been a pleasure talking to you yes thanks
1: so much for having me okay.
0: thank you for listening please subscribe follow and review the show that is very much appreciated and please do reach out if you would like to know more about how you can create healthy, intimate relationships in your life. I will leave you with this quote from Carl Bond. Although we can't go back and make a brand new start, we can start now and make a brand new ending. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Relationship Guide.